Hey, good morning again. I'm Charlie, again, uh, often lead pastor. Who are you? Mark. Mark. They made us switch sides. Yeah, which is really weird because we got a thing where I'm on that side and then now. Yeah. Is it because, is this, can be honest, is it because your head's too shiny? Is that is that is that was that the reason? Is that the reason? I was I wasn't completely clear. It was it was you know that kind of gave some indication that that might have something to do with it. I'm just gonna go with that. <laughs> so here's the deal, man. Like we come up with people like 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 uh, they ask, how do you come up with sermon series? Always asking about new sermon series. You know, we kind of have pretty much structure throughout the school year, and then we just kind of like, what are some things we can do in the summer? And then it usually turns out that there's like one sermon series in the summer that like everybody loves and I've, and like, and we weren't necessarily expecting it. What do you think? What do you think it is? Maybe we can just talk about it. Why, why does some, what, what makes a sermon series where like they really love it? You understand? It? Yeah, it's almost like um, the, the more obscure, mm-hmm. crazy, like that, oh, that really happened. And, yeah. and maybe something that didn't make sense before. Like, oh yeah, I've heard that story or maybe I've heard some reference of it, but I don't really have any idea what that means. And then when the pieces come together, you're like, oh, yeah. well, that's cool. And I think passages are parts of the Bible that people have never heard before. Like I remember one, several years ago, you remember one summer we did like a series and like a bunch of one chapter books. Mm-hmm. And I remember preaching a sermon on Obadiah. And they're like, wow, that was so good. And I'm like, what? I mean, was it was a, I guess because it was an Obadiah. Yeah. So that is is it would it be bad like that? I agree with what you're saying, and that's kind of why one of the reasons why I picked this. We picked this sermon series because it's got like weird things in it. And so even last week, right in Job, just even in the we didn't really ask for questions, and people put you guys put questions in there, and, and then my guess is is this 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 uh, and today we'll be looking at Hosea and some other things. People are going to be generating questions. I think it would be a good idea if we just started. Asking people for questions. Oh, yeah. And then maybe like in a couple of weeks, when the, seriously, we're going to do this four weeks, maybe on the fifth week, would you just sit and just answer those questions? Yeah, because there are just a lot of questions that come up. I mean, and we're not going to answer them all. Right. So that gives us time. Yeah, three hours worth of questions in a 25-minute. Oh, yeah. And, and we'll answer them completely, too. I mean, exactly. there'll be no questions left after. And I'll be the moderator. So if there's any questions that I don't want to answer, I'll just, just, pass, it I'll just pass it to you. Perfect. Oh, and we got, we got all this planned out. So we got this story, and it's Hosea, and he's a prophet, and we just kind of, we don't really know a whole lot about him, and we kind of jump in here at uh, verse 1, and it just starts with the, with the alarming part from the very beginning. Verse 1, chapter 1 of the book of Hosea. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, and here we go. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, marry a promiscuous woman, and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblium, and she conceived and bore him a son. <laughs> I mean, so it just, it just kind of just jumps in right there. It's like, and it's like, hey, here's what I want you to do, prophet. You're my prophet. And I want you to go and marry a woman who is unfaithful. Now, there's some con- ambiguity here about whether or not the, the unfaithful woman whether or not she was, let's just say, I know there's, there's kids at home, and I'm, I apologize, we picked some of these things before we realized kids at home. Anyway, we don't know if she, 
if she was unfaithful, how's the best delicate way to say it? Mm. If she was an unfaithful woman for money mm. or not. Either, either way, she was, it was unfaithful. She was unfaithful. And so it just kind of starts, and this is God asks him to, to do this. And so I just said, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week with Joe, but there seems to be a little bit of different here, and it's interesting your thoughts. Like, why? 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 I mean, he's got obviously got. I won't make the question more complicated than that. Why? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that it's just me that stories and illustrations seem to help me get my mind around complicated topics or things that are right in front of my face that I just don't see. I mean, what do we normally do on a Sunday? We take a passage and then we, we try to find stories in real life, stories from our life, different ways to bring attention to it and illustrate it. And man, taking this, this dude and ripping his heart in half and the picture of, of what that it's something that everyone can relate to because we've all experienced some of that betrayal. We've, you know, all been the betrayer. I mean, we, we get kind of what that would, how horrible that would be. And so this picture that he's actually going through it, um, I mean, it's just the message that, that really communicates, you yeah. know. I, I guess the thing that in my heart I, is that, I mean, God could have just described it. He could, I mean, Jesus told a lot of parables. He could be like, who's going to tell the parable of the dude who married a wife who was unfaithful to him? Mm. Hosea, tell everybody that parable. But he doesn't tell them a parable. He tells them to live it out. And, and interesting, I think I would, I would phrase it this way, is that sometimes God leads his people into intentional hardships. Mm-hmm. That it's not just, you know... And he's got some greater picture, and it seems like in this, he's got, he's got some big idea that he's wanting to communicate, and not just communicate, but illustrate it. And in order to do that, he's, he's basically telling him, hey, you're going to do this thing, and it's going to be, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, Job, it kind of happened to him. You know, Job, they, they, you know, God allowed Satan to do it. But allowed it, yeah. This is different. Yeah. Go do it. Go it's going to be terrible. And um, I think, that, I mean, that's, and again, I think we talked about last week. I think there's, there's the character piece. But then there's just like, I mean, God's got a bigger idea out there. It is so important to him that whatever it is that he's trying to get across here from the story about Hosea and his, and his wife Gomer, that um, I've got a joke that's always been around. Can I just be distracted for a little bit? You're going to tell a joke here? No, really. It's not that's a joke. I don't risky. really tell jokes. I don't really tell jokes. It's just things I think are funny. So people always ask, like when we had kids, are we going to name them biblical names? Oh. Yeah, and so like for us, say for a girl, Dorcas Gomer. But your two girls named Dorcas Gomer. It's like, and he married Gomer. And it's really interesting, Dorcas Gomer. So Hosea and his unfortunately named wife, Gomer. <laughs> and, um, and so he says, he said, you marry somebody who is not going to be faithful to you, who's not, who is not currently being faithful to anyone. You marry her, and she's still not going to be faithful. He's got something here. That it's planning on happening. And so through the rest of chapter 1, he has, he has three different kids and God kind of gives them symbolic names. Not their real names, but symbolic names of basically saying these children are from an unfaithful marriage. And you're like, what is he getting at? And so you move on into chapter 2 um, and uh, verse 2. Uh, so he's now having talking to Hosea, Hosea about... Um, 
what he should tell Israel. Verse 2, Hosea chapter 2. Rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face. Skip down a little bit. I will not show my love to her children, because they are the children of adultery. Their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who will, who will give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my olive oil and my drink. And so he's got this description here. He's got this description here of what Hosea's wife is like and then ultimately making that connection to Israel. And so he's using this, this illustration to say, you know, uh, God is like Hosea and then, and, and then Israel is like uh, Gomer. And, and, that, and they're in this relationship, and very similar to the way that God and Israel are in a relationship. And all throughout here in this first part of chapter 2, he just goes out of his way to describe what Israel is like, and using this metaphor over and over again about how Israel is treating God the way that an unfaithful spouse um, will, treat, um, will, will treat their spouse. And so the illustration here, I think at least the first part of it, is this. And we're, we're Israel in this, by the way. The, the illustration here is that, is that we, at least we were, we were like an unfaithful spouse. So what's the most common? So God uses a lot of different images to kind of describe the way that he is in relationship. To, what's, what's the most common one? Father, child. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, Lord is kind of up there, but really kind of father, son, father, daughter, over and over again. Like God is like a father, God's like a son, which is a really great illustration, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Makes, you, makes you feel good. Yeah, daddy. Yeah, he's like, he's like a dad. And this is the same kind of thing. Well, you're like a spouse. But the, but the challenge is, God's like a dad in and, 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 and all of these good ways. And you're like a son. And when God tries to illustrate what's it like for you, what is it like for you to be a son? What's the parable that, that Jesus has in? Yeah, the prodigal son. The prodigal son. Takes his inheritance and goes. Yeah, what does the prodigal son do? Yeah, he goes and wastes it all. Yeah. Comes back broken and bruised. I wish you were dead, give me my inheritance now, mm-hmm. and now I'm going to go live a life completely contrary to all of the values that, um, that, that you've raised me in. And so it's really great, this, this illustration, and Jesus has used it a lot, Paul uses it a lot, this idea that the relationship that we have with God is really more of a love relationship, like a father and a child, or in this case, two spouses, and it's really good. God's like a spouse, and, and, and you're like a spouse. And I think this illustration is really, really helpful for us in a lot of ways, because I think God as king, God as Lord, those are also illustrative of a lot of different things. But God as spouse tells us that it's more than a boss, it's more than a king, God is showing a, a very intimate love relationship with us. Mm. But the challenge is, for God to fully play out the illustration, he's got to say, well, here's the kind of spouse, though, that you are. And he describes Israel in this way as, 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 as unfaithful. And again, has Hosea do this where... He, he marries someone who was previously unfaithful and later on, we'll find out, is going to continue to be unfaithful. So it's not a flattering image, but it's, but it's accurate. It's an accurate one, and I, and I think it's important. I, I think it really is important for us to slow down a little bit 
And make sure when God uses these kind of really negative illustrations to describe what we were like, to take some pause and say, yet yeah, that's true. If, if God is like a spouse to you, have, have we historically been faithful? And the reality of it is, certainly before our relationship with Jesus, we've been incredibly unfaithful to God. We, um, we've cheated, we cheat on him in lots of different things. We, we turn towards sin. We, I mean, they, they were literally following other gods. We don't necessarily do that. We kind of follow other gods. Like what kind of thing, you know? Yeah, tangible things. That's, that's the thing I think we really have in common with them. It seems like, you know, the gods of the nations around them had idols, and they had something that they could see, that they could make their offerings to, that was that felt tangible. They were trusting in their own ability in war, and you know that they their military might, and which was something that they could control and that they had power in. And he's looking at both of those things and saying, "Hey, I'm here to provide for you. I'm here." But you're going after these things that you can see, and I think we do. You know, we do exactly the same thing. In the middle of, a, of chaos and crisis like this, we, we want to go to the things that, man, it's tangible. It feels like it's not, it's not the God who's unseen that I'm trusting and being faithful to these things that I can, for a moment, get mm-hmm. some satisfaction from, you know? And I think if, if God is only a king, if God is only a boss, rebellion against the king, like, they're like king, I didn't, I didn't ask to have a king, and a boss, you know, sometimes you just, it's just good to not do what your boss says. I mean, you don't feel that way, right? <laughs> I mean, you don't, you, don't, you don't even understand the concept of what they're talking about. But like, there, there almost is like some kind of justification against rebellion, against that kind of authority, mm-hmm. even though you shouldn't do it with God. But if God puts sin in these terms, mm-hmm. sin is like you being intimate with someone other than mm-hmm your spouse. You, you, you giving primary focus and heart and attention to your life, to yourself, to your pursuit of wealth, to your pursuit of power. That's not just a, a you, you made a mistake and now you're in, in your year-end review with your boss, you're going to get a, you're going to get a, you're going to get dinged. Mm. Or even, okay, well, you rebelled against the king, you got to pay some sort of fine. Or maybe even have to do jail for a little bit. I mean, to, to, to take something that was reserved only for your spouse and to give it to somebody else. That's the illustration that, 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 that God is making here in Hosea's life. And again, it, that's what he's describing it to Israel. And I think it is. I think it's important for us to take a step back and say that our rebellion, our turning from God, our lack of focus on God, our lack of priority on God, um, that's... It's 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 deeper. It's deeper than than rebellion. It, I mean, it is it is it is a betrayal of intimacy. Mm. So he continues on again in this prophecy that Hosea Jose is making, and he's describing. He's again he's describing how terrible Israel has been and how they are like an unfaithful spouse and how you know God has for a season rejected Israel, and then he comes back in verse sixteen, and we're going to kind of skip around from sixteen to twenty three. Um, what he, how he describes what happens next. Verse 16. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remo- remove the names of the Baals from her lips. 
no longer will their names be invoked. Verse 19, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. I will plant for her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. And so, in this illustration, we've got Hosea and, and Gomer. And Gomer is like Israel, which is like us, which is the unfaithful spouse. And Hosea is like God in his relationship to Israel and his relationship to us. So, Gomer is the unfaithful spouse. We're the unfaithful spouse. But God is a forgiving, gracious spouse. And so faithful. That whole, that whole passage, man, where he says, I will do this, I will do this, I will... He just takes takes the lead in, in, in the middle of all that betrayal. And, the, and there doesn't seem to be any point where there's like, and there was this overwhelming repentance and forgiveness and they, turn, they, 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 they get their act together and now they're doing everything right and now God's going to come in and he's like, okay, now I'll take you back. Mm. I mean, this is, this, is, this is an overwhelming amount of forgiveness and grace that comes from from God, you have betrayed God in the most intimate way possible. And this is what he does. So go back to that prodigal son story for a little bit. What does the prodigal son do once he, once he, once he ta- first of all, he again, takes the money and runs. Mm. I, I'd, rather, I'd rather you be dead. I can't, I can't wait for you to be dead. Can I go ahead and have my inheritance now? I can pretend like you're dead. And then he goes off. What all does he do when he's off in the other country? He just gets in trouble. Waste it all, does everything you're not supposed to do. Yeah. So he, he, he spends it doing, basically breaking all the commands. And it ends up, ends up in this situation where he's feeding pigs and wishing he could eat the food that pigs were eating. So Israelites, Jews weren't even supposed to be around pigs. And so basically he's in a situation where he's feeding the most unclean of animals and, and wishing he could be one of them so that he could eat these nasty, dirty scraps. And the thing that's interesting about that story about the prodigal son is how ridiculous a story Jesus had to tell in order to, in order to show what the love of God is like. It's like, a, it's a, so this dad, it's like his son said he wished he was dead and he goes off and does everything horrible and the, and the worst and the most inconceivable things he could do. It's like that and then the son comes back and what does the dad do? He runs out to meet him and throws a party. Yeah, which is, which, is, which is crazy. In order for God to illustrate how serious our sin is and how loving and forgiving he is, he has to tell outrageous stories. Go and marry a woman that you know that is going to be unfaithful to you and then, and then take her back. And, 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 and essentially, so this is what happens verse, um, in verse 3. In verse 3, 1 to 3, he says, The Lord said to me, so again, God's talking to um, Jose here. The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, ch- do we have do we have do we have chapter three? Sorry, that's my bad. 
Uh, the Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man, it is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought, I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Then I told her, You are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way toward you. Um, and so... Clearly what has happened somewhere between chapter 1 and chapter 3 is that um, Homer, I mean, Gomer's left him. She just left him. And now is shacked up with some, with some, with some other person. And what, and what God tells him to do is I want you to take what you have and pay mm. to get her back. Now I don't want to I mean, I mean, I'm not some, I'm not a literary uh, person, but clearly we're we're getting at something here, where he he sacrifices in order to get his bride back. Does that remind you of any any other stories, Mark? Sounds, sounds like Easter again. Yeah, I mean it, and it, and it's an outrageous. It's 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 crazy. I mean, he knew this on the front end, and and then she did that, and I and I'm sure in in Hosea's mind, he's thinking. Well, that was awful. That was terrible. I can't believe I mean, it happened the way that God said it would. This is awful, but I, I, guess, I, I guess whatever. And then God comes back to him and says, go get her back. Which again is a... Beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful picture of the overwhelming love and grace of God. And again, the Easter story, like you said, that, that, that Jesus sacrificed himself to get an unfaithful bride, a prodigal son or daughter, goes and gets them back to bring them back. I mean, it's, it's all throughout the scriptures, and here it is in Hosea. And so, this is a really interesting illustration. It's a little bit, it's, it's overwhelmingly convicting for me. Right, to think of my, I don't want to think of my sin that way. I want to think of it as mistakes. I want to think of it as insignificant rebellion. I don't want to think about it, this betrayal. And then we get this picture of God as this overwhelming, forgiving, loving, gracious God. So I ask you this. Okay? What now, do do now, now what? What do I do with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there is this call to, to celebrate in and rest in the, the love of our God. I mean, there is this picture throughout the book that he wants to, he wants to know us, um, not just us to know about him, not just you know to do the the things that you're supposed to do, but to to know him. In fact, a few you know a few weeks ago, I guess month, I don't know how time has gotten in this <laughs> what, in this loop now. What, what is time? <laughs> Whatever. Well, back then, when we were looking at uh, at those different stories, those different encounters, those conversations that Jesus had, you know, one mm-hmm. of those was Matthew 9, when he called Matthew. And, and in that story, you know, he calls him and then says, come follow me. But then they go back to Matthew's house and the tax collectors and the sinners are there and the religious folk are like saying, what is, what is your leader doing hanging out with these? Do you remember what he said? Mm-hmm. He quoted Hosea chapter 6. Mm. And he said, and we talked about it that day, he, he quoted Hosea chapter 6 and said, I desire mercy not sacrifice. And um, this picture, the knowledge of God more than, than burnt offerings. And so he's, he's saying to, he says, hey, Pharisees, you guys go 
think about this. <laughs> Go consider what this means, that my desire is for you to know me intimately. And so this, this picture is, is incredible for us. And as we've been talking, it's just made me think about, man, think about how much the prophet, I mean, as he's giving this message, after he's endured this personally, because the difference in the prodigal son, that was, you know, it was a story. It was a parable. But this, he, he experienced this in the depths of what God must feel like to not just have a, you know, a written agreement kind of relationship with his people, but to desire an intimate relationship with them and to have them give that intimacy to someone else and the brokenness in that, you know. I mean, I still, probably the first uh, girl that I kind of, you know, had some eyes for and I thought she had eyes back for me, I remember, I mean, it's clear, uh, thinking as we were studying this, uh, going to a place and my best friend and she and my best friend are talking and they kind of gave me that look like, don't come over here. Mm. And I still remember the, the brokenness and the, you know, um, and that, that I would be the one that would be the betrayer and giving his affection to another. Um, so yeah, to live in that place of celebrating him, of really knowing him, of resting in him. If the two things that they were doing is they were giving that worship to the tangible idols and the, the gods of the, the nations around them and they were trusting their own military might, the opposite of that would be to rest in him. I mean, the thing I want from Terry more than anything as a bride, I just, man, I want her to have eyes for me, not just, you know, a contract, but when she looks at me that I see that she really loves me and that she trusts me, that when bad things come along or when there's something to be afraid of, she's like, I'm not afraid. Mm. I got this guy. Hmm. He's, he's going to take care of me, you know? Man, I was also thinking, um, I think it's uh, right before that, chapter 6, verse 3, <clears throat> it says something incredible. It says, let us press on to know the Lord. He is, uh, his going out is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as, sh- as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. Let us press on to know him and that he's going to show up like the spring rain. And I don't know, Friday night, if you were outside or heard that rain come mm-hmm. in, but it was just like, man, it was fast and it was powerful and surely, you know, it, it watered the earth. And um, just this mm-hmm. incredible promise. Press on to know him and he's going to show up. Mm, that's good. Yeah, I think for me, it's like, I think, I think I've spent a lot of time just like, um, this week, I don't know, I, I don't know if avoiding Avoiding the implications of this passage a little bit, because I, I, I think I, I can't, I can't even get my heart to go there, because that's kind of how, like, when, like a movie that I really like, or a TV show that I really like, or a story that I really like, I like to like insert myself into the story. Like I'll be watching a, a, a show with Heidi, and I mean, I mean, just you know, a Castaway with Tom Hanks, which he's as an example. You know, he ends up stranded on that desert island. I'll, I'll look at Heidi and be like. Go ahead and get go ahead go ahead and get remarried. Go ahead and get remarried because I ain't, I ain't gonna I'm not gonna make it. I'm not gonna make it. And if in the one in a billion chance I do make it back and you're married to some other, I ain't gonna be mad because there's no way I could. I, I or you know like when you're when you're watching somebody and they're and they're swimming underwater and they've got to get the key or do the thing. You ever you ever hold your breath to see if you <laughs> can make it? <gasps> see if you can make it. Like I, I put myself into I can't put myself into the story. Mm. 
I can't imagine it either direction. I just cannot imagine like just even giving my intimacy to somebody else or just or, or, or the idea that, that, that my wife would do the same. It just it, it's too much. And that thing that I can't even I can't, I can't even begin to insert myself into that story. That, because of my love for Heidi and the way that I want her to love me, and, and that's the way that God feels about us. And so I do, I think I want us to take a little bit of pause and say, man, that's how serious sin is, and you need, and you need to think about it in those terms. You need, to, you need to think about it in terms of unfaithfulness. But, but more than that, I think that what God is trying to illustrate, because of how quickly he, he moves to the redemption in, 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 the, in, this, in this story that he's telling, that I think that's the big thing that God's wanting us to take away. This is how much I love you. And there is no level of unfaithfulness where I will not still be there for you. And um, and that, that's the kind of love like people say, oh man, if, if you can do whatever and God will still love you, then you can do whatever you want. I'm like... If, if that's what you, is that what you feel when you real story like that? You're missing the emotion of it. That's right. Yeah, something you just said. It's, it's not that the unfaithfulness, it's not, you don't get a picture from this story of a rule bro- being broken. You get the picture of a heart being broken. I mean, there, there's, the, there's the relational aspect, not just the, the rules being followed, you know. And that is how much God loves you. That is the depth of his forgiveness, of his grace, and his love. It is a deep, passionate, emotional love. And so that's what, that's what we celebrate. That, that's why we come together every week to celebrate and reflect on the awesome, incredible, overwhelming love of God that is illustrated here and then is fulfilled um, by taking this to another, to another level by Jesus' own sacrifice to save and win back his bride. And so we're about to move into a time of worship and I just encourage you, man, spend some time celebrating and resting in that love and just thinking and allowing, allowing your concept of what it means that God loves you to go to a more than an intellectual place, but a deep emotional place. And for those of you who right now who have either have not accepted Christ or just not in a great place and are living that life of rebellion, allow that love of God to draw you back. So as always, we're going to be worshiping. And last few weeks, we've taken communion collectively together. Today, we're going to do it the way that we normally do on Sundays. I would encourage you over these next couple of songs, in a moment of reflection and time of your own personal worship, if you feel led by God to go and find elements um, in your kitchen and bring them back and to um, and, 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 and take communion and, and reflect on that great sacrifice of love. And so let's pray for each other and let's just spend some time in worship and meditation and prayer reflecting on the overwhelming love of God. Let's pray.